Welcome back to God Geeks. I'm here, Pastor James, with my wife, Ryan. Are you sure anyone else is here? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of stopped looking at the uh, listen, listening numbers. Listening numbers? I don't know. What do you call it? Um, you know, for a while there, we had quite a few listeners. Um, but then Back I, in the day. Back in the day. But then I stopped podcasting for a while. And But, you know, once they hear that the Ryan Cleland is on the podcast. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> I think viewership will go through the roof. Um, welcome back. This is a, a special episode, uh, part three of Ryan and I's discussion on Christian ethics. Um, and we've been using the framework of the Apostles' Creed to kind of guide our conversation. Uh, Apostles' Creed has three articles. We're on the third article. Um, and this is also kind of fun because we're, we're trying a new format with the podcast, uh, God Geeks Junior series, where I talk way over the heads of kids, and then Ryan helps us bring it down to how we can talk to kids or do activities with kids that kind of hit home these theological issues that we're talking about. Does that make sense, Ryan? Yeah. Okay. Issues or concepts. Issues or concepts or... I always say issues, don't I? But that implies... Right, that there's something wrong. Something wrong or something. Well, I mean, Ideas. There, there is a lot of wrong out there. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about that. Um, anywho, so, uh, and also, this is kind of a fun one for me because I'm, I'm doing this for a class project because um, I'm back at the seminary um, working on... Se- some, <laughs> the seminary. The sem- well, to me, it's the <laughs> seminary. Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Um, long-time listeners know I, I, I was doing kind of a distance course with, with the seminary and got ordained a couple years ago, so I, I am Pastor James Cleland, but I'm back at the seminary, Concordia Seminary, um, just diving in deep again, learning about this whole gospel thing um, and what it all means and how I can better communicate it and better minister to people and, and better live out the proclamation of the you gospel. You can't do anything better. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm here and the Holy <laughs> Spirit is doing it, you know, uh, in me, through me, despite me, uh, which we'll talk about a little later too. Thank you, Ryan, I for keep, you keeping me grounded. I know, right? <laughs> so one of my professors made a joke the other day that, uh, what's, what's the worst thing a Lutheran can do? I'm not know what. what <laughs> Thank you. Uh, good works. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that we we kind of as Lutherans have this this stigma, maybe rightfully so sometimes, where we really really like to stress the gospel, the good news, uh, justification by faith, and and maybe at times we've stressed that so hard that we're afraid to preach to people that hey, you got to do some good works too. Because um, we're afraid of, of works righteousness, preaching works righteousness. But there's a, a healthy way uh, and a good way to talk about good works. Because, you know, it's in the name. They're works and they're good. They actually are good. Right. <laughs> and, and you kind of hit on it, Ryan. A lot of it's just um, making sure that you're focusing on where are they coming from. Um, if it was up to me and my will... I have a bound will, and it and it's oriented towards towards not good works. Right. Um, and so it's it's the Holy Spirit, it's Christ working in us, through us, despite us, that really gets those good works going. Um, and we've talked about that a bit from a first article perspective and a second article perspective, and now we're going to talk about the third article. And again, roughly, the Apostles' Creed is Trinitarian. Can you guess what that means, Ryan? Oh, well, like the Holy Trinity? Yeah, exactly. So the, the first article is is more like God the Father stuff. Second mm-hmm. article is God the Son, Christ. 
uh, looking at things from that perspective. And the third article, this is my favorite one right now. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit perspective. I would have never guessed you would have said that was your favorite one. <laughs> really? Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for a lot of my uh, history and ministry, um, it was kind of transitioning from first to second, now to third, and, and now probably trying to have more of a um, Trinitarian, like all mm-hmm. three at the same time kind of perspective on ethics, behavior, salvation, justification, and all of those things. Um, early in my ministry, I was very heavy on first article, on God the Father, on, on the, law. the law, and the law being used um, by me. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> Uh, law being used to curb behavior. That's one of the terms that people use. Uh, the, the first use of the law uh, in some circles, they call it. Okay. Second use would be the one that kind of turns you towards Christ, the mirror, if you will. The one that shows you just how, how broken and desperate and, and evil you really are. Um, and sometimes you sit there, right? As a preacher, I, I sometimes sat there too long. Mm-hmm. Right? And then the, the third use of the law, uh, and again, this is God, the Holy Spirit using the law, uh, not necessarily me, okay? The third use of the law, third way that God uses the law is um, how we should be living our life now that we are redeemed in Christ. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's kind of a, a fun way to look at the law if you're also looking at it at a, a third article perspective, the um, Holy Spirit perspective. So that all that to say... The law sometimes feels like it's this burden on you, right? Right. And it is because the what law... What you should do. What you should and do. And how you don't measure up to what you should do. Exactly. And if we, if it was all on us to do the law, to earn our salvation... Oh, I feel every other second. Oh my gosh. It'd be horrible, mm-hmm. right? Because the law cannot... And, and Paul talks about this. The law doesn't um, fulfill itself. It doesn't uh, cause the things in you that it demands. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It ultimately doesn't, and ultimately what does is Christ, is the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> so so what's the third article? Third article is about the church. But I want to talk about third use for one more second because... Oh, sorry. That's okay. Because there's that other way of kind of the third article and third use kind of perspective of the law where it's a description of righteousness. The Ten Commandments are actually... Very, very beautiful. Thou shalt have no other gods. Thou shalt uh, not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, thou shalt honor your father and mother and honor your spouse and not covet and not steal and not murder. Those are all beautiful, amazing things. And what they actually are are a description of how things should be, how things will be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's also a description of how things were before the fall right? Mm-hmm. But they're a description of how things are going to be when Christ returns and fully reigns and remakes all things and makes things anew and we get the new kingdom and new earth, which is very much a third article thing because the third article says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Oh, that's a long one. Yeah, not quite as long as the second article, but way longer than the first, yes. right? And this is kind of really beautiful stuff. We believe in the resurrection of the body. And, and for years, I thought, oh, we believe in Christ's resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. Which, yes, we do. But we also believe in the resurrection of the dead. That there will come a day where Christ returns and 
everyone who's died will be resurrected. Oh, no wonder you like zombies. I love zombies, right? But this is like the good zombies. This is like, um, we're all given new life, new bodies, and there's a new earth, new heaven. And it's, it's kind of hard to describe, right? Yeah, right, because we don't know what that will look like. Not exactly what that'll look like. We have ideas, right? Uh, we can see some of it in the garden before the fall, mm-hmm. right? And we see some of it in uh, apocalyptic literature, like, like uh, Revelation, um, and, and some other places in the Gospels, etc. Um, but this is, this is kind of the hope that we have as Christians. Not just that we personally are saved. Um, not just that when we die, we go to heaven, right? Right. That's, that's kind of selling short the good news, the gospel. Um, God doesn't just save our souls. He saves everything. He redeems everything everything and he's going to make all things new and that's that's kind of our our hope as christians that is kind of weird to other people it's a little bit peculiar it's mm-hmm. a little bit strange when you talk about that stuff it, it, it's almost like you're the guy on the street corner with the sign right right what's this new kingdom business what's this new kingdom business uh but anytime christ is talking about kingdom of god and kingdom of heaven he's talking about basically the same thing and we see the the king his inauguration in Christ, in his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, we see his inauguration. And he is reigning right now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. He's a living God. Exactly. And reigning and, and in charge fully. And he's defeated Satan. But there's this element of, well, it's not completely the fullness of it yet. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So... <clears throat> For the class that I'm in, we read this really cool book uh, called Surprised by Hope. And I'd actually read it before, uh, maybe three or four years ago, when I first started seminary. And at the same time this movie came out, and you and I went and saw it. Do you remember Interstellar? I think we saw it together, but I thought Brad Pitt was in it. No, not Brad Pitt. Different guy. George Clooney. Not George Clooney. Another very handsome gentleman. It's Macaulay Culkin. No. No, not Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Yes, okay. And he has a daughter. He has a daughter, yes. A, little, okay. a redhead I, daughter, right? I don't think. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think know. I don't know. I and, think you're, you're <laughs> do I, My daughter has red hair, so I always. <laughs> oh, everyone. Oh, everyone's everyone that's redhead cute daughter. has red hair. So Matthew McConaughey is an astronaut, a retired one, right? I thought He's he was going to be the governor of Texas. No, not yet. Not okay. Yet. <laughs> Here's hoping, maybe. That would just be fun. All right, it all right, would, all right. Yeah, it would be. I mean, maybe that would be his, his slogan. All right, all right, all right. I think he can do better than that. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Matthew McConaughey is, is a farmer who used to be an astronaut. And the world is falling apart around him. It's almost like this apocalypse, right? Um, crops aren't growing anymore. The, the earth is, is dying, right? It's groaning. It's dying. And the only solution that humans can come up with is to get on a spaceship and send as many people as they can to another viable planet Mm -hmm. because they ruined this one. Does that make sense? As we would. As we would. Or as we're doing. But there's something, some weird things that happen along the way where it's almost like McConaughey is getting these messages from the future, possibly. Okay? But then, and and I'm going to ruin this movie for those of you who haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, pause, go watch it, come back. Okay, you're back. You've seen the movie. Now, we find out later on that he has 
gone into a, a black hole or a wormhole or something, and he is living out all moments of time in his life at once. So you can kind of see his past, his future, his present. He becomes a, a fourth dimensional being almost, mm -hmm. right? And he's able to communicate to himself in the past. Right, okay, now I remember, remember that. Remember that? Yeah. It's this weird, weird moment where time just is not what we experience it as. Okay? Now, at the same time seeing that movie, I was reading N.T. Wright. And it was very much this like sci-fi moment and theology moment at the same time where I realized... Your two faves. My two favorites, yeah. Theology and sci-fi. That's what this show is about. I realized that... There is a future reality that is as real as the reality right now. I myself am in a future kingdom living forever with Christ right now. But I'm not there yet. Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing time linearly, but God is outside of time and he knows it all. And there is a truthful reality that the kingdom of heaven will crash into earth and be fully remade. And it's perfect, it's beautiful, and all of the commandments are fulfilled. All of God's law and righteousness is there all the time. And we're there, you and me, and our children, because they're children of God too. Mm -hmm. Baptized believers. That future reality is constantly crashing into now. We see it in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. It's that future kingdom crashing into now. We see it every time that Christ performs a miracle. We see it every time in the scriptures when the apostles are performing miracles. We see it when our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing good works. We see that future kingdom crashing into now. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, what we also then see and know is that the good works we're doing now are building for that future kingdom. We don't know how they'll fit in. We are not personally building that kingdom. It's God building mm -hmm. that kingdom. But he's using us to do it, which is just a, an amazing, beautiful thing. So, so we're not necessarily doing good works to make people feel better until they go to heaven. To earn jewels on our crown. Exactly. We're not doing good works to help people not suffer because eventually they'll go to heaven and then there will be no suffering, yada, yada, yada. We're not, we're not biding time. We're actually crashing in. God is crashing in that future kingdom in us, through us, despite us. Glimpses of what is to Glimpses come. Glimpses at foretaste would be a very biblical term, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. I, I like N.T. Wright, the guy who wrote Surprised by Hope. He kind of summarizes a lot of, uh, of his book... In this quote, the work of salvation in its full sense is, number one, about whole human beings, not merely souls. And I try to remember that because we're not just trying to manipulate people so they accept Christ and then we move on. Right? Mm -hmm. They're fully embodied human beings and Christ understood that. He cared for people spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And we're to do the same. Okay, number two, it's about the present, not simply the future. We're not just looking towards a future heaven or a future new kingdom. We're looking at the now, too, and those things crashing into now. And number three, it's about what God does through us, not merely what God does, does in and for us. It's, I love that. Um, and, and Interstellar was my way of kind of visualizing that. And it's not exactly like Interstellar, of course. Right. <laughs> um, anywho, 
I, I would almost say uh, N.T. Wright had seen Interstellar when he wrote this, but I think this came out before Interstellar, because he actually says, uh, to put it bluntly, creation is to be redeemed. That is, space is to be redeemed, time is to be redeemed, and matter is to be redeemed. God's not just redeeming our souls. He's redeeming everything. everything. He's redeeming all of history. He's redeeming time itself. <laughs> Which is so cool to think about. That is about. really cool. It's yeah. really cool. Th- and I like the space comment because, okay, does that mean that um, in the New Kingdom we're going to travel to other planets? I don't know. I don't want to get too Mormon on this. You know what I mean? But but maybe there's like exploration of the universe in this New Kingdom. I mean, that would be just a beautiful, fun, fun thing. I'll uh, stay on Earth. Thanks. <laughs> okay. The the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with this um, from from the third article. So we're, so we're looking forward to the resurrection of the dead. We're looking forward to the, the kingdom to come and the life everlasting. But but we're, the third article is also concerned with, with the Holy Christian Church, the body of Christ, mm-hmm. who we are right now. And what's that mean? How does that guide our ethical behavior? So there's a lot of talk in scripture about the body of Christ, right? right? And who's the head of the body? Jesus. Right. And then we are different limbs and yada, yada, yada. And there's lots of times we talk about, well, we need to you know, work together as a body of Christ and all those kinds of things, which is beautiful. But the body of Christ has sometimes been, how to put it, misdirected, where we don't let Christ be the head. Mm-hmm. And we, we try to, we, we try to be the head. <laughs> right. Well, no, I think we view our part as more important than maybe. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we think that we're, we're directing our own limbs. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes what that ends up happening is, um, and, and we read another book called Resident Aliens, and I, I love the title. Um, and I'm going to put a link. Aliens. Aliens. We're yeah. really into space. Well, this today. isn't those kind of aliens. This is the, the actual term alien. I'm gonna, I'll put a link to this book and the other one we read um, in, in the notes to the podcast. But Resident Aliens is talking about how the church, Christians, are resident aliens an alien in the sense of um, when you're talking about, you know, sometimes people say illegal aliens, that kind of thing. Right, right? no, yeah. We're talking... No a- nation or... No nation. nation. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. We as Christians are not necessarily Americans first or Europeans first or, or, or any particular nationality or any particular group outside of the body of Christ. We are a particular people who are not at home where we are. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying heaven is my home. I'm not saying that. Um, that's problematic with what we talked about before. Uh, I'm talking, we as Christians, that is our label. That is who we are. And what sometimes happens is we forget that and start to try to be other things. Um, the the uh, authors of, of, of this book talk about Constantinianism. So they're talking about Constantine the Great. And there's this moment in Christian history where all of a sudden... Uh, the Roman Empire is like, oh, wait, Christians, now you're the official religion. Mm-hmm. And, and Christianity gets a little bit co-opted by the empire, by the emperor. And Christians start to kind of go along with it, thinking, oh, well, this is our mechanism to right. change the culture, to right. change the world. We think that we, okay, our job as Christians is to change the world around us through the means of state, through the means of government, through the means of empire or nationalism or or various different things or democracy okay and what the uh, authors of resident alien argue is that's not our goal 
That's not our job. Do we as Christians get involved in those things? Absolutely. Should we vote from a Christian perspective on certain things? Absolutely. But our mechanism for changing culture is not to take over all branches of government. That's not exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We are called to be a peculiar people, resident aliens, different, strange. The world, the culture around us is going to look at us and say, what in the world are you talking about? What we do and say and believe should be foreign to the world because it doesn't make sense to them. It's foolishness to the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, okay, think about how the world responded to Christ. Right. Right? Different ways. He was ways. peculiar. He was peculiar to them. Did not make sense. Uh, the the Isra Israelites, the Jews, were looking for a particular type of king, and he wasn't that. Um, there were people who were threatened by him. The Roman Empire was threatened by him. There were people who attacked him. And there were people who followed him and didn't really understand why they were following him. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and that's the church today, because we are the body of Christ. The world is going to be at odds with us. Now, it doesn't mean that we... Um, become sectarian and, 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 and uh, you know, go cloister ourselves you know, in, in a building and don't interact with the world or go live on a farm in the middle of nowhere and not interact with the world. But it also doesn't mean that we live our Christian life on the world's terms. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I, so I, the balance between, there's a bit of a balance. It's, it's um, what we would call Christ and culture in paradox, right? Um, there's another book we read or, or, or uh, excerpts we read of um, these descriptions of is it Christ over culture? Is it Christ conforming culture? Is it, you know, this, that, or the other? And it's really Christ and culture and paradox because there's things in culture that are beautiful, but there's things in culture that are evil, mm -hmm. right? And, and we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater per se, but we're also not going to let the world determine how we behave. Does that make sense? Right. And choose the arguments for us. So there's certain huge hot-button issues in the world right now. Um, immigration, racism, uh, uh, the poor, um, abortion, all these different things where if we're letting others determine the framework for the argument, we're not really being the peculiar people. Um, the, the author of this book actually quotes Jerry Falwell, who I, I disagree with on so many different things. Sorry if you're a Jerry Falwell fan. But Jerry Falwell was doing like a, a fundraising event where they were trying to raise money for uh, homes for children uh, from mothers who, who were, might have aborted the child but decide, I'm going to keep it, but I can't take care of it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And he was saying, okay, if, if you guys aren't willing, if the church isn't willing to, to support this cause, how dare we go out and point fingers at people who have abortions? Which, I don't want to get into the subject of abortion per se, but it's, it's kind of, it's a good concept of, okay, as the church, how are we taking these moral stances when we're not living out the proclamation of the gospel, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, and it's being the church that is really going to influence the world and, and crash that kingdom into now. Instead of trying to be the other things, instead of conforming to, um, you know, modernism or whatever you want to call it, right? We are supposed to be different, set apart, peculiar, weird. Um, it's not going to make sense unless you understand and know and believe and are baptized. Unless you know Christ, you're not going to understand what he's calling you to do. 
Right. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's kind of, that's the third article of perspective. This is the one I get so excited about because it's kind of sci-fi at times. Kind of. You made it very sci-fi. I made it very sci-fi. But it's this beautiful mind-bending kind of thing of already and not yet, um, of being in paradox with culture. Um, And of course, Christ as king, Christ as victor, um, Christ and the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, despite us can do some beautiful, amazing things. Now, it still leaves open a lot of these ethical questions of what's that look like? And it looks like a lot of different things. But what it looks like mostly is Christ. It looks like Christ and his kingdom. And if what we're doing doesn't jive with Christ, then maybe we shouldn't be doing it. Or if there's this injustice you see, is there a uniquely church way to address that injustice not a way where the church gets involved in politics per se but where the church is politics is polis is building the city the people of god does that make sense Mm -hmm. anyways so that's some pretty crazy stuff i don't think we're going to sit down with kids and talk about interstellar though are we no probably not let's let's break and then we're going to come back and ryan you're going to tell me how um, my crazy ramblings can maybe be distilled down into conversations we can have with with children and youth. Cool? Cool. All right, we are back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the the theme music. I'm kind of digging it. I've been listening to it on the side, um, just on loop. This theme music you're always referencing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like slightly 80s, which I like. I don't know if it's nerdy enough for God Geek, so I might move on to some more beep boop, you know, video game type Synth. music. Synthy, yeah, synthier than, than what we have. But anyways, uh, let's get into this. I want to hear from my genius wife uh, how... All this hype is going to really leave, like, people want to, <laughs> like, disappointed. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so I want to hear, like, what's a good way to talk about this stuff with kids without, like, talking over them or or, or missing kind of the point that they can grasp at, at a younger age? Yeah. So, like, the third article, <laughs> listening to everything you just uh, digested or digesting everything that you just... Uh, yeah, it was that, a lot. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So it was really... I gravitated towards the New Kingdom and the concept of conveying the huge complicated idea of the new kingdom yeah i think i think sometimes we just fall back on heaven and that i totally makes sense because it's what we're used to and it's a little bit right. more relatable but it's not the fullness of the gospel right. because if I, anything heaven's like a pre-party exactly yeah so i don't think it 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 conveys the big picture and the magnitude of everything that god right. has established and when i was a kid talking about heaven seemed depressing almost because it's like well I don't want to just be floating around as a spirit. I want to be a person. I want to be fully embodied. I want to live. <laughs> I want to live like Adam and Eve did. Or or and I know. was as a child. I was. I mean, I was an adult before I ever heard the the concept of the new kingdom. Isn't it crazy? Right. Because it's a beautiful thing. Right, so. and that doesn't mean just because that's the way it's been done that that's the way it needs to be done. Right. And so I think kids can understand the concept of a new kingdom. It just has to be approachable and something that they are familiar with and okay. more comfortable with. And that would be the Garden of Eden. Oh, okay. Perfect. That makes sense. Right. So if, you know, ex- 
the Garden of Eden, Eden represents or paints this beautiful picture of perfection right. and how God living with his creation and how things should be, right? Everything's right. Correct. Righteous. Okay. Right. And so, and that's how essentially the new kingdom will, will be. Yeah. So the starting point for talking about the end is actually the beginning. <laughs> right, because I think a lot. I mean, I think kids are really familiar with the Garden of Eden and the ideas of the Garden of Eden and how everything everything was perfect until the fall, and so that idea of it's returning, it's coming back. You know, we don't have to be. Yes, we can be sad because there's sin in the world today, but there's something that we can look forward to that everything will be returned new again. We can be hopeful. Yes. So really, kind of what you're you're arguing for is teaching kids the full meta narrative absolutely now and what's funny is i'm thinking back to me being a kid and we've always sold that short Mm -hmm. it's like for most of my life i heard two-thirds of the the story i saw two-thirds of the movie and never saw the ending well we always ended the sin and how it's the Garden of Eden was perfect and wonderful and beautiful and God was living amongst his creation and then we failed. Yeah. Which is absolutely true. True. And But then we get the story of Christ redeeming us individually. Right. But that's still not the full story. Mm-hmm. And, and lots of times it was left there and I think part of the issue was, I'm not talking specifically the Lutheran churches I was at, um, but I'm thinking back and it's like, I think people avoided talking about the end of the story because all the baggage that we as Americans have with this, uh, the apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? We have this, um, and it's injected into to all walks of, uh, of um, Christianity where it's all about God's judgment coming. Right. And there's some, some silly things about, you know, <clears throat> different views of rapture and things like that. Where actually the real story is, yes, Christ is coming back as king and judging. But remember, he's the good shepherd. Right. This is this is the Christ who walks, walked among us and healed us coming back to be king. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful ending. And the real ending is Garden of Eden, but better. Right, and I think the the garden's just a lot more relatable to kids. Yeah. And I mean, yes, we can call it the new kingdom because that's absolutely what it will be. Right. But I think if we do it within the context of the Garden of Eden, it'll be a yeah. little easier I to understand. That's totally okay to use garden to garden language. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard that said before. I've even heard garden to garden to garden because Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane right. in the middle. Right. Um, it's a great way to frame the meta narrative and and teach the entire story and then once they see the big story we can talk to them about what's your part in the story you know because your story isn't just your story it's part of the bigger story Mm -hmm. it's part of christ's story it's it's part of the redemption narrative of all things being redeemed in the new kingdom new heaven i love this so so it just makes so much sense to start a great way to represent that or to to tell that story is with a book Okay, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, well, one thing, one book that we really like a lot is um, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Oh, yeah. It's so meta-narrative. It, it's yes, not even funny. Right. So that's awesome. That's by Sally Lloyd-Jones. Christocentric would be a good way to put that one. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you said. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, Christ is the center. They show how right. Christ Christ is seen throughout the meta-narrative. Uh, it's a beautiful... I love yes. the Jesus Storybook it's Bible. It's awesome. Sometimes I just go read it for me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And no, whenever I need to see something through... the like the perspective I should see it through. I just, yeah. Oh, that 
Sally will tell me how it should be. <laughs> I guess Christ through Sally will yeah, tell me how it should be. And we've used it before for for um, summer camp curriculum and Sunday school curriculum. And I've used it with high schoolers and they didn't I've realize it. I've used it with, it with preschoolers. Yeah. Okay. So you got another book today too, though, don't you? Yes, I have. It's called The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross. And it's by Carl... Lafferton and the illustrations are really beautiful. I like that. I think that's always appealing. Yeah. Um, I'm a visual person, so I like that. Um, and kids like that too. And it it literally is the garden to the curtain and to the cross. And so it really does paint a. It's a, a picture book, but it goes through the whole story. It does. I do think it, it lacks the whole New Kingdom. It hints portion. at it at the end. Yes, but I but then you can always turn back to the beginning, and then the, you know it really paints a really good picture of what the garden was like and yeah. what it will be like yeah. coming, you know, to come. And I like the language that's used and the imagery that's used, and I think it's a little, it's a good resource too. Very cool. I love this, and um, I think I'm going to read that with the kids tomorrow. Yeah. And maybe you can you can tag it in the notes. Yeah, I'll tag that book in the notes too. Link it to, to it on Amazon and the Jesus Storybook Bible. All the books we talked about today. Uh, will be available for purchase. Um, we're not I need, getting. I, oh, we're not. I need to figure out how to do it where we get a cut. Um, <laughs> we'll figure that out. We can just recommend it because it's nice. Yeah, that's true. We don't have to get a cut of things. But anywho, well, awesome. Thank you for listening, guys. Ryan, thank you. This has been fun. Yeah. This was the best way to do this project, I think. Um, yay! Awesome. And Ryan and I were just talking. I think our next episode we're going to talk about Christmas. Well, I think we have to. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Advent, Christmas, all that jazz. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, God Geeks, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.